Dennis Stewart, we're getting towards the end of a year, another year. Mm. And that's a good time. It is. To take a look perhaps at some of the things we've done through the year, the topics, the top topics. Well, the things that have come up most during the year, as you might expect, uh, as uh, listener interest in diabetes, listener interest in cholesterol elevation, and listener interest also in arthritis. So I thought today and next week we might go over those three common areas of disease and see what complementary medicine has to say for them. And also very happy to talk about this year's top topics. Absolutely, and, and, and it would have to be the, the interest in, in, in diabetes, and rightly so, Jane, diabetes, and we're talking about type 2 diabetes, not That's type 1. Type 2 mm-hmm. used to be called late-onset diabetes. Type 1 is an autoimmune disease, quite different as far as its ability to respond to the things that we're talking about. Type 1 diabetes necessarily requires constant medical monitoring and vigilance. And even people with type 2, early type 2, borderline type 2, borderline insulin resistance, once that is recognised and the doctor has made them aware of it, they nevertheless still need to work uh, with their GP in order to make sure that the early stages of type 2 diabetes uh, doesn't take off and the condition becomes more complicated to manage. So what I'm going to do today is what I've done all through the year, make recommendations of things that we as individuals may be suffering from type 2 diabetes or borderline sufferers of type 2 diabetes, what we can do to work with our healthcare professional to better the options, better the outcomes, things that are simple, uh, non-medical, and unlikely to be objected to by any reasonable person, in my opinion. I've always emphasised, particularly on this program, that part of my uh, role, if you like, to the listening audience, is to do what I've done for nearly all my life, and that is to educate. And so with diabetes, particularly type 2 diabetes, again, I say to all listeners that are interested in this epidemic condition, let me emphasise epidemic condition, get educated about it. Get educated, and there are two references that I've made during the year to two books that are easily obtained that will give you information that will lead you in the direction of better control. The first thing is try and get hold of uh, the book entitled, and I'll say it slowly, Diabetes Type 2. You can reverse it naturally by Dr. Sandra Cabot and Margaret Jasinska. I have recommended this book to my patients, clients and listeners for years. It's a self-help text, very sensible, obviously coming from people that have a medical background, but yet it gives fundamental information, particularly pertaining to diet, as to what can be done to lower one's blood sugar level, working with our healthcare professionals in stopping the elevation of our blood sugar levels, which can lead to problems, and very quickly. The other one is a more radical text, which I have taken on board myself, because I have, as listeners know, been borderline type 2 for many years, fortunately, uh, with my understanding of it and my uh, knowledge of things to do, uh, and with good monitoring from my own uh, uh, GP, who understands my situation, um, my HbA1c, as most medicos would would recognise, is well and truly within the, the boundaries for type two, and a lot of that 
is as a result of reading that radical text, and I say radical because it will meet eyebrows medically, but it has worked and worked for me, and I know it has worked for many, many of my clients. The book is entitled Breakfast is a Dangerous Meal. Breakfast is a Dangerous Meal, written by Professor Terence Keeley, Professor Terence Keeley, who qualified in the UK as a medical practitioner, who went on to study clinical biochemistry, subsequently become diabetic himself, dissented from the mainstream approach, developed this approach to his own management, which proved so successful that he then documented it. Foregoing breakfast, in his opinion, is a big way of breaking into better management of type 2. There are two references. An education at the end of the day is important. I come back to that point. Get involved. Somewhere along the track, you may well become diabetic. Get in front of the ball, so to speak. Educate yourself. Those two references are good starting points. Now, does it matter when you say you may become diabetic? Yes. Um, does it matter how much weight you're carrying? Is there oh, more likelihood oh, if you have more rather than less? Well, you'd have to say yes, although, although I have seen a gentleman... I remember years ago when I was consulting at, uh, at Warner's Bay, I saw a gentleman there who had been unwell for quite some time. He was tall and lean, if anything, a little bit underweight. And paradoxically, along the track, no one had factored in that he could be diabetic because he was the very opposite of what you expect a person to be. It was only when he became very ill and a blood sugar reading indicated that his blood sugar level was over 20, that it was suddenly realised that despite his atypical build, he was type 2. So we say is one of the first things in helping the drift towards type 2, or even if you are type 2 or insulin resistance, the general principle must always be lifestyle and weight loss is generally a good starting point because even a couple of kilos can sometimes reflect itself, as your doctor would tell the listeners, even a, a, a small amount of kilo loss can translate into better blood sugar control. So that's the first thing that must come into it. And both those references I've mentioned, Jane, point out that lifestyle modification, particularly in Cabot's book, lifestyle modification, keeping weight under control, getting weight down, the West, and I'm talking about all Western nations, a bathed in obesity. That was a good way of saying it, wasn't oh, it? Bathed in obesity. And <laughs> a very good observation. <laughs> and it is. And, and, and millions and millions and millions of Westerners are walking around with diabetic potential or experiencing diabetes and unfortunately are just leaving it to drugs and not doing anything to try to work with the medical management to stop the drift towards more serious medical intervention. And we might take mm. a look at... Kelly, you'd like to ask Dennis about swollen ankles. Yeah, so um, for the last few years, when it gets warm, mm -hmm. um, I have a real issue with swollen ankles. I've got one that's worse than the other, the left one yes. is worse than the other. Yes. Um, and I've had a bit of trauma to that ankle in the last few weeks, and okay. so now it doesn't even go down overnight. Oh, but, dear. Um, yeah, no, just wondering if there's okay. anything... I mean, I know there's lots of things that can cause it, but... Mm. You're, the, first um, th the first thing I would uh, ask, uh, Kelly, is that your condition has been uh, medically um, assessed and has no. been... 
it has not been medically assessed? No, okay. no, not yet. Well, look, it's it, you have probably just got a, a circulatory problem, and I'll come back to that. But for the, for the sake of listeners, I'll just mention that uh, swelling, particularly around what we call the peripheries, uh, i.e. around the ankles, swelling and fluid retention uh, can be associated with, with more serious disease conditions, some heart conditions, and I don't think this would apply to you because you sound very young, but some heart conditions um, can manifest themselves in fluid retention. It can be a very serious condition. Um, uh-huh. So I guess what I'm saying is um, make sure, make sure that your swollen ankles uh, are not related to any kidney dysfunction or anything to do with your cardiovascular system. I would, sure. I would suggest that despite the fact that you sound young and it's unlikely to be associated with either of that, you should have a meeting with your GP. They're, our GPs are always, let me emphasise, our prime contact therapists. They're there to make assessments and diagnosis and complementary medicine is not an alternative system of medicine. It seeks to provide input to conditions where appropriate. In your case, I, su- I suspect the condition is not associated with any uh, major organic factors. And having yep. said that, I would say that uh, what you need to do is give yourself uh, quite a few months uh, using products that are called bioflavonoids. Okay. Now, let me just explain that. I speak frequently about bioflavonoids on this program. They are a very, very exciting bracket of, uh, of remedies or chemicals. Bioflavonoids are generally accompanied by vitamin C, and they're found in fruits and vegetables and particularly herbs, and they come under various names. Uh, for instance, one bioflavonoid called rutin, R-U-T-I-N, has a reputation for improving uh, circulation, particularly lymphatic circulation, to the peripheries, and it's very safe and is unlikely to clash with anything you may or may not be taking. So the the first thing I would suggest is uh, get onto some bioflavonoids. Um, I have a product called Flavor Blend, uh, which is available for my rooms, but wherever you are, you may well be able to get it where you can. But with bioflavonoids, let me emphasize, their dosage is important. Don't purchase uh, cheap products, which could be just Mickey Mouse products, having having token levels of these things. Let me emphasize, when I talk on this program about the benefits of complementary medicine, I place emphasis not just on what I consider to be a potential remedy, but I place emphasis on the fact that the remedy must be represented in a sound product and in a sound dosage. Now that's very important and many patients or clients fail to get a benefit in many things I recommend because they don't relate dosage to the product. If you have a problem, have a yarn with your pharmacist or your competent retail health food store person. So that is one of the first things I would suggest you do. Uh, Now the the second thing is uh, there is a herb and it's well known in European traditional medicine. And when I say European traditional medicine, I'm talking about medicine that would be practiced by general practitioners in some cases in countries like Germany and France where herbs are used a lot more than what they are in Anglo countries. A herb called horse chestnut, again, very readily available, would be one of the preferred herbs to address this problem. Now, the other thing that I would suggest is that you might 
be a fluid retentive person. If you don't mind my asking, are you a big person? I am, yeah, definitely yeah. overweight. Yeah, I yep. thought that. Um, look, uh, in your situation, it might pay you uh, to start to use a gentle, natural diuretic, something like uh, dandelion tea. Now, okay. d dandelion makes you pee a bit. Now, that could be its direct advantage here in helping get some of that fluid away. Now, you can get yep. hold of dandelion tea almost anywhere, even from supermarkets. But if you're going okay. to factor it into your self-management, make sure, again, you're using it a couple of cups of strong dandelion leaf tea per day, and you'll notice the difference. You want to make sure you're in travelling distance to the loo because <laughs> you'll start to pee a lot more. Look, there are three things that okay. I think might, might help. I come back to the point, don't expect them to do the job in 24 hours. Most of these things I talk about need to be worked at over quite a few months. But I come back sure. to the point, get yourself looked at first. Yeah, definitely. Yep, not a worry. Okay. Um, Anne from Nelson Bay is part of this discussion now. And uh, you're on to, what, you've got something to ask about diabetes, Anne? Hello. Oh, it's not Anne. Well, it's Greg. I'm, uh, I'm her husband. I'm the one that's actually... I was driving at the time, but anyway... Okay, yeah. you're asking the question. Yes. Go yes. for it. Okay, you said there uh, that, that doctors wrote a book regards um, being able to uh, give breakfast on this... Yes. Um, ...with diabetes. Yes. I'm a diabetic. Yes. I'm too diabetic. Yes. With pancreatitis. Yes. And I'm on insulin. Yes. Not from on tablets. Okay. What I'd respond to you, your situation is this. You're not the typical person that this book might be useful to. What I preface that, or I come back to it and say, the, the writing of the book was to provoke thought about uh, diabetes and ways of lessening its development. In your situation, seeing you are an insulin-dependent person, the text largely would not be relevant to you, although I come back to the point some of the dietary advice that he gives, particularly in the latter section of the book, is very, very, very valuable. So whilst it might not be appropriate to you as far as challenging your eating habits because you would be well and truly monitored, I suspect, by a dietitian and by your GP who monitors your condition cru uh, crucially, there would still be some fairly provocative ideas in the book about foods that contribute to lessening diabetic spikes, which arguably would not conflict with the medical management you were having. But I come back to the point that the book was written provocatively as a book for discussion and a book to be used primarily for people that were on the verge of being diagnosed medically with type 2 or who had just had a recent diagnosis of type 2 and were battling with it with minimal medication and a lot of dietary advice and lifestyle advice being advised and monitored by their GP. So in your situation, I would not see it as being relevant. It wouldn't apply in your case. Right. Now, in, in that case then, because I know for a fact that I can't go without breakfast. Of course, in your um, case. Because I, I usually have about uh, a half a banana. Yes. Yes. Small plate of cereal. Yes, of course. Um, now, that's my breakfast. Yes. Um, but 
the thing is, I'm trying to lose weight. Yes. Um, I'd like to lose about four kilos, and okay. I've tried different things, and I haven't had a lot of success. Okay. I'll quickly, um, I'll quickly come in here and say that in the second work that I mentioned, written by Dr. Sandra Cabot and Margaret Jasinska, the book entitled Diabetes Type 2, You Can Reverse It Naturally. Um, this, again, would have limited benefit to you, but there would be some excellent advice in Dr. Cabot's book about uh, dietary emphases that would tend to promote better weight control. Simple things, simple movement away from some food groups to another. Again, I would suggest get hold of that book. It's readily available. It can be even got from my rooms in, that, in, um, in New Lambton. I would see some of the advice in that book, again also in the other book that I mentioned, as being useful here and there to help you lose weight. <clears throat> right. So is that book readily available in bookstores? Uh, you may, you're talking about Dr. Capo's book? Yes. I would think it is. Again, if you can't, uh, ring my rooms at New Lambton and they can arrange a copy to be sent to you. Okay. Now, what I, what I would suggest you do with reading either of these things, and I su suggest it to all people that are interested in it, read the text, get the general gist of it. If you're being medically managed, have a yarn with your medical manager, discuss with them some of the ideas that you might have taken up and get their concurrence in trying some of those. In most cases, things like uh, food selection, uh, dietary control, exercise, even monitoring one's level is something that most GPs would be happy, in my opinion, to be associated with. I'm glad that you're interested in, in your condition because uh, in Cabot's book, for instance, you'll find mention of a number of herbs, herbs such as bilberry and herbs such as ginkgo, which in the case of any diabetic, and I men mention that, in the case of any diabetic, are two of the most important supplements, in my opinion, for resisting the development of peripheral diseases associated with diabetes and also some of the conditions like diabetic retinopathy. Regardless of what else you might be doing, um, you need to discuss again with your healthcare provider the beginning to use those two very, very, very important natural medications that are prescribed deliberately to lessen some of the complications of diabetes. Not alternative medication, but supplements that may be able to lessen the hastening towards those wretched complications of diabetes. I do hope that helps you, Glenn. That, uh, Greg, sorry, <laughs> Greg. Um, that answers your questions? Yes, it does. Thank you very much. Thank Fantastic. you, Fantastic. Uh, and this is Health Naturally on 2NURFM. It's 20 to 1. We're taking your calls and the number's 49216216. And from North Rothbury, we've got Glenn, who's rung that number. Silica, you want to ask Dennis about? Uh, yes, if that's all right. Hello, Glenn. <clears throat> Hi, Dennis. Uh, some time back on one of your programs, mm. you advised someone about taking silica for... Yes. Um, Spurs. Calcium that was sort of um, uh, deposited Spurs. in you know, places where it shouldn't be. Yes, you yeah. said you'd to take something with the silica. Okay. And I, I can't I, remember what it was. <clears throat> what I was referring to uh, was the prescribing of silica in a particular form uh, known as a celloid, a C E L L O I D. Now, let sure. me explain what celloids are. 
Celloids is the name of a range of minerals uh, that were developed by Morris Blackmore, who was the founder of Blackmore's many years ago. He advanced on the ideas of a European doctor, Dr. Schussler, who contended that many human diseases, particularly of a degenerative nature, had a lot to do with um, micro levels of, um, of the need for increased levels of crucial so-called tissue salts. Blackmore took that up and developed the idea even further, and his system became one of the most popularly used uh, natural systems of, of treatment in Australia at that time. I still use it as a component of my practice. Now, um, the celloid is, is the name for the minerals which uh, are arranged. Now, the silica product that I've used for years, and this is not saying anything against any other silica products, but in the Blackmore's range, it is known as S79. Now, I know that sounds rather esoteric and almost secretive. It's not. It's just, if you like, a, a code number for the practitioner to uh, look up the, the remedy. So S79 is the remedy called up in the Blackmore's literature as a potentially useful remedy to address what we would refer to as calcification or spur development, where I've mainly used it. But also, in the literature, you'll find that it's accompanied by sodium phosphate, and the, that remedy in the system goes as SP96. So right. if you were to present, I know this sounds rather esoteric, but look beyond that. Um, if you were to present to, to my rooms and say, look, I've got a spur or something like that, mm. I would naturally think of these two remedies and I would reiterate um, what I have said, Glenn, for many, many, many years on my various radio programs, mm. that even some sceptics, and there are many of them, even sceptics of my ideas, some of them have come round... Uh, to my ideas by using those remedies in the treatment of their own spur conditions and getting a benefit. And I think of, oh. I can think of one startling conversion <laughs> that was almost like Paul's experience on the Damascus Road because by using that, uh, his spurs were resolved and he saw that there was something in complementary medicine that hitherto he had not appreciated. SP96, S79... And Blackmore's, or Morris Blackmore says in his mm. text, if you start using these things, you need to be on them for at least six months. The mm. good, the okay. good thing about it, they are very, very, very economical. And if yeah. you if you were to go into Sally Bowen's practice in Cumberland Street, yeah. they would be yeah. stopped yep. there. Sally runs an excellent oh, uh, outlet okay. there. She's a great practitioner, and um, sure. you'd be able to get them from there. Thank you for your call, you. Glenn, and very good luck with that. All the very best. Now, just a quick question. Dennis Ray from Stockton has rung, but we haven't got him on the line. Mm, he's, okay. had, he's got severe bursitis mm. in his shoulder. He's tried stiff, sore and sorry. He's had cortisone shot, uh, but he's still not getting relief, okay. and it's disturbing his sleep. Ray, look, a couple of ideas. I'm not talking to you directly, but these are the things that I would think about. Um, trying to lessen some of the inflammatory activity behind bursitis is what is required, and it's a pity that some of the therapy you've used, even the steroid injection, has not helped you. Sometimes a steroid injection will give you considerable relief. I think you have to look at uh, some other um, natural anti-inflammatories um, that um, are perhaps softer on the gut, 
and without uh, any complications, even if they're taken long term. Uh, two things I would recommend, and I still contend that this is a beaut combination, a combination of willow bark, and it is the oldest, let me emphasise, the oldest known natural anti-inflammatory agent, willow bark, and interestingly, in Europe, Willow bark preparations are being now used for things like sciatica and back problems, sometimes in preference to mainstream pharmaceuticals. So willow bark, and then also the concentrated extract of turmeric, which is known as curcumin. Curcumin is the active principle extracted from turmeric, and again has a good track record when it is used in a correct dosage and when it is used with a synergist. A lot of people don't realise that turmeric and turmeric, uh, curcumin, are difficult substances for the gut to assimilate, and this is why they're frequently appended by other agents. Black pepper, for instance, is one of those agents. I prefer to use an enzyme known as bromelain. Bromelain is extracted from the pineapple. It has in itself some natural anti-inflammatory characteristics, but when it is blended with uh, willow bark, and when it is uh, blended with curcumin, you have a, a, a triple assault on your condition. I would suggest that you give that, a com or get, give that combination a trial. If you were to ring my rooms, we could tell you where you could get hold of that combination. I would go down that way, those three herbs, willow bark, curcumin, with the synergist bromelain, all in the uh, correct dosage, I'd be surprised if that didn't do you some good. And Jane has rung in from East Maitland, and you'd just like Dennis to repeat something to do with diabetes. Yes, yes. My son is actually a type 1 diabetic. Yes. Uh, he was diagnosed at 18 months, yes. and he's just turned 18. Oh, good, good, and good. I just missed the um, two herbs that you mentioned okay. to assist with sure. uh, long-term complications. Sure. The two herbs that I mentioned was ginkgo biloba, Yes. And bilberry. Now let me just right. let me just put those in perspective. Um, I'm glad you took note of what I was saying there. That I see these two natural remedies being useful uh, to lessen the likelihood of some of the well-known complications of long-term diabetes, particularly um, conditions like diabetic retinopathy and peripheral circulatory distress. These must not be seen in any way. As remedies for diabetes, they should be seen as supplements to help organs and tissues that can be adversely affected by diabetes to fight the good fight a bit better. So if I were a diabetic, those two things I would take, and in my opinion, I would never go off them. Having said that, inasmuch that your lad is type 1 and seemingly being very well managed, if you intend to put him or if he intends to go on to these things, even though they're over-the-counter preparations uh, and you can get them without script, I think it is ethical and proper that you mentioned, uh, mentioned what you intend to do to your GP so that he can note it on his notes what you're doing. And what I would say here is, in as much that these remedies are standardised preparations, now what do I mean by that? These remedies, again, can be presented in Mickey Mouse form and they won't work or they can be presented in what we call high-quality standardised preparations where there's a guaranteed level of their active chemicals or principles. I suggest in this case it might be worthwhile uh, having a yarn with your pharmacist and getting a, 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 pro a product that he would understand as far as dosage 
or if you have a competent uh, retail health food store proprietor, and I suspect you have in East Maitland, uh, have a yarn with them. But again, I come back to the point, don't see these things as remedies for diabetes, see them as useful supplements with the potential to lessen the development of some of the consequences of diabetes. Okay, fantastic. That's that. wonderful information. Thank, Thank you, you very much, Good. Dennis. Thank you. Thanks Bye. for your call, Jane. This is Health Naturally, and we're coming towards the end, but there are a couple of other things you would like to say, oh, Dennis, about diabetes. And, and if we uh, can't do it all today, we will take up this topic next week on my last day. For but the year. For the year. For the year, <laughs> that's true. Um, yes, who would not want to be on this program, particularly with you, Jane? You're magnificent in your control of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only taking the mickey out of you, Jane. It's oh, that, you it's that, it's that time that, of the year. You? That time of the year. Look, we've been emphasising the need to understand diabetes. If you're a diabetic or moving in that direction, or even if you are not a diabetic, get to know about it. Self-education. I've mentioned some texts, provocative texts, but nevertheless worthwhile reading. The other thing I would say to anyone who is a diabetic, and many diabetics do it, I know, as a matter of course, Get hold of a glucometer. A glucometer is a little device that you can purchase generally from the pharmacist which allows you to monitor your blood sugar levels. I do my blood sugar levels every morning and every night and I've done that for the last 10 years. I keep an eye on how my blood sugar levels go. This is part of the education process. Get familiar with the fact that you can take your blood sugar levels, you can get a little diary from the pharmacist, you can start to log them. Now, that is useful because if you start to embark on self-help programs by using your, your glucometer and keeping a record of your blood sugar levels, that can give you a bit of an idea of how you're going. Because if I look back on my history, I can see my blood sugar levels over 10 years have come well and truly down as a result of my monitoring it and I would not um, miss monitoring them. And I know some say, um, some doctors might say you're, it's obsessional. No, it's not. It's taking a fascinating interest in how your blood sugar level goes. Get hold of a glucometer. Start to log your blood sugar level. If you're borderline, particularly do this. And always with your GP, always with your GP, make sure that you're getting regular what are called HbA1c readings. That is, if you like, and I'll put it in simple terminology, uh, an average reading of your blood sugar levels. Uh, very important. So your GP will probably tell you that that's the most important indicator. Your HbA1c reading and everything we've said so far today and everything I will say regarding diabetes is prefaced on the point that the person is being managed medically, that the GP knows some of the things that you're doing, can work with you, and what you're doing is educating yourself and monitoring yourself. And you've got a couple... Those books you mentioned are definitely going to help as I think they. As... I think they will, Jane. And I'm glad that gentleman rang in, uh, who obviously has a fairly complicated level of diabetes. Uh, the book that I mentioned, Breakfast is a Dangerous Meal, is more for the individual that's been told by his doctor, hey, listen, things are not going well for you. You better start to do a few things. Uh, that's the text that is appropriate, I believe, for that person. Um, Cabot's book, I believe, can be used by anyone with, with diabetes because the information she gives in it is very comprehensive, very safe, and in my opinion, not too controversial. 
And uh, we do have one more thing to do, Dennis. We need to see who is going to be the winner of our Stiff Sore and Sorry pack today from our callers. I think Jane from East Maitland got the day with that. Jane from East Maitland. So you can pick that pack up from Dennis Stewart's rooms in New Lambton uh, from this afternoon. So congratulations to you. Now, Dennis... We really, we've just got about a minute left. Is there anything more you'd like to say? One minute. One minute. Okay. (laughs) One thing I would like to say in this whole debate is that we must realise the catastrophic damage that the accelerated inclusion of sugar into our diet has done to many of our health profiles. Some would say that sugar is a poison. Now, I think that's going over the top. I would prefer to say that the amount of sugar now that we are taking in our diet, particularly in drinks, there's a lot to be looked at there as seen to be a major contributor to some of these diabetes onsets. Look at the labels. We can't avoid sugar, but for goodness sake, listeners, look at your labels. Begin to realise that the accelerated level of sugar in juices we give to our kids, in many of the products we eat, In my opinion, that accelerated level has a lot to answer for. There's a book written by uh, by a well-known Sydney barrister called Sweet Poison. I think his name's David Gillespie, I think. It is a remarkable, provocative work pointing out the way in which the intrusion of sugar into the Western diet has led to many of these civilizational diseases. And thank you very much for Health Naturally today, Dennis Stewart. We will be back for the last one for the year next week on 2NURFM Health Naturally. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.